Surely you told me that you trusted God, but every now and then, even if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, how many of us know every now and then we go through valleys? We go through valleys where we cry. We go through valleys where it's painful. We go through valleys where it's stressful. We go through valleys where we don't have answers to the questions in our head. We go through valleys that make us wonder, why on earth is it that we're going through what we're going through? I thought this was the will of God. I thought I heard God clearly. I thought I trusted Him. Yet here I am. I find myself in the valley of tears but I am actually a person that loves the presence of Jesus. What do you do when you are a person who loves God and loves his presence, but you're also a person who has tears? You, you have tears. And, and, and the difference is some of us know those tears and some of us don't know those tears. For some of us, we weep and we cry publicly. Some of us, we weep and we cry privately. It doesn't mean that all of us are exempt from it. We all go through valleys. But the Bible says in Psalm 84 and verse 6 that people who are lovers of the presence of God, as they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. You see, for a long time, I read that verse and I didn't like it. The reason I didn't like it is because I want that verse to say, as they go through the valley of Baca, God makes it a place of springs. I want God to do it. I want God to turn my valley of tears into my valley of springs. I want God to turn my pain into glory. I want God to turn this valley that I have no explanation for. I want him to turn it around and I want him to do something good with it. And many years I would read that verse and said, surely that's a mistake. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. I don't like that bit because I want God to do it. I want God to deal with my valleys. I want God to deal with my pain. I want God to deal with my disappointment. I want God to deal with all of it. And here's the confusion bit, confusing bit. God can do it. God has done it. God says and promises in his word that he will do it, that he will turn our glory into shame, that he will turn our mourning into dancing, that he will turn our sickness into health, that he will do it. And there's plenty of evidence in the Bible that God can do it. So if God can do it, why doesn't he just do it? Why is it up to me? As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. When we sit with psychologists and therapists, one of the things science teaches us about the human condition, and this is not just about Christians, this is Christians, non-Christians, whether you're an atheist, whether you're, here, whether you're here with faith, no faith, other faiths, whatever faith you have, when we go through times of stress or worry or tears or pain, the, 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 the science behind the way our brain is wired teaches us that the common the common. Um, response to the valley of Baca is that we either go into fight, flight, or freeze. Forgive me if you already know this, but it is common, it's common information. If you don't know, let me just take a minute to explain it to you. When we go through the valley or when we go through things we don't understand, there are one of three possible reactions. There are one of three possible responses. The first response is that we fight. 
So we go through a valley and say, oh, that's okay. I'm going through a valley now. What can I do about it? So we sometimes try and fix it. Sometimes we try and get on top of it. Sometimes our minds are running 100 miles an hour. Sometimes we try and overcompensate. Sometimes we try and keep ourselves busy. Sometimes we try, you know, and in Christian circles, sometimes we do a lot of Christian things. I'm going to go and fast for seven days. I'm going to read the Bible for five hours. I'm going to go and get people to pray for me and they're going to anoint me with oil and after they've anointed me with oil I'm going to have deliverance this is and we're, we're in fight mode because we somehow think that by fighting the valley the valley is going to change but how many of you are here with experiences where you've said man I've been fighting the valley for a while, for a while but the valley is still there it really hasn't become a place of springs. I'm still in the valley of Baca. I'm still crying. There's still tears on my pillow. I've been fighting, but it's still there. The thing with fighting is after a while, it leads to exhaustion. It leads to unbelief. It just leads to tiredness. It just leads to just a weariness on the inside where you don't understand. You go to bed and you wake up tired. You go to work and you are tired. You come back and you're tired. You have a meal and you're tired. You think caffeine is the solution. You drink coffee and you're tired. You then upgrade to Red Bull and you're tired. And then you upgrade to two Red Bulls and you're tired. And I'm telling you that because I've tried it. I've tried saying, oh, why am I so tired? And then I sit with somebody who's a mentor and say, you've been fighting too hard you've been fighting too hard you've been fighting too hard you're going through a valley and you are fighting you are fighting you're trying your level best that's that's the fight you, you, you go into fight mode this is crazy I can't believe this has come against me I'm gonna deal with this in Jesus name and after a while you're like man I, I, I don't know what's happening to my prayers it's not really working we fight the second thing is we, f we go into flight mode. Flight is escapism. So you either go and escape into alcohol or drugs or pornography or here in church, we keep ourselves busy. We serve on every rotor that is available. And so we just make sure that we're busy with work or we're busy with church or we're busy with the ministry or I'm busy preaching or we're busy. We're just busy. We're just busy because when we're busy, we don't have to think about our valley. When we're busy, we don't have to think about our tears. When we're busy, we don't have to confront the fact that we are people who love the presence of God, yet we are going through valley. We're going through a valley. So we, we go into flight mode. And sometimes, some of you who have gone into flight mode, you will find yourself constantly, even if you're by yourself, daydreaming. Where your mind will go off into a bubble where you think one day... Uh, 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 Prince Charming is going to come on his horse and save me from this. One day, I'm going to win the lottery and it's going to be fantastic. One day... There's going to be boom. I'm going to be in church. The presence of God is going to hit me. And I would have just lost 20 pounds on the spot. And I will be a brand new person. You find yourself going into this bubble because you are escaping. Because you would rather live in the world that you have escaped to rather than live in your current reality. And so we, we go into flight mode where we, we just want to escape. And so we either keep ourselves busy with a hobby or busy with television or busy with football. And it's one of the reasons why British people love the drama of football is because it keeps them busy. They don't have to face 
face uh, all of the brokenness in their home. So if their team is doing well, that's great because they're busy celebrating. And if their team is doing bad, they're drowning their sorrows in the pub. At least it keeps them in a place where they don't have to face reality because you're in flight mode. Fight, flight. And the third one is freeze. And sometimes we freeze. Sometimes we're just frozen. We can't do anything. We just numb. We feel like this hit me so hard that I feel I've lost initiative. I feel like I can't do anything. I feel I can't speak. I feel I've lost my voice. I feel I can't face people. I feel, uh, where, where on earth is my drive gone? That's a lot of people who freeze. They ask the question, I used to be so driven. I used to be so passionate. I used to have so, so much energy. I used to have so much that was, that, was, that, was, that was going for me. And now I have lost my passion and I have lost my drive and I'm frozen. But here's the problem with being frozen. Everybody knows you as the person with the drive and you really want to keep up appearances. So even though you are internally frozen, you are outwardly working. Man, that's exhausting. Because now not only are you frozen, you now have to keep up appearances because people will now wonder what's happened to you. What's happened to you? So you continue to fight even though internally you are frozen and that is painful because it is human nature it's not Christian nature it is human nature that when we go through things that we don't understand and we're going through a valley of tears we would rather fight or flight or freeze than face it and that's why many of us just don't like change because we love being comfortable how many of you walked into a supermarket island they changed where they put the biscuits or they changed where they put the oil how many of you walked into church and somebody is sitting on the seat that you were sat on every Sunday? How many of you walk in here and if you think about ever changing from the row you sat on, it gives you palpitations? Why? Because that's the way we are. We are wired to be in our comfort zone rather than face up to the inner reality and say, why am I like that? Why is it that I'm such a control freak? Why is it that I love the way that things are? Why is it that if things are not arranged in a certain way in the supermarket, I am stressed out and I am, I'm just, I've, I, that my entire mood for the day is gone. Why is it that I feel so, so, so afraid if I have to even just change from where I'm usually sitting and to go, we would rather not confront that and just say, that's the way we are. But the Bible says, if you are a lover of the presence of God, as you go through the valley of Baca, you make it a place of springs. So when we sit with psychologists and therapists, they say, well, here is the simple thing to remember because they all start with the, the word F. And so if you don't fight, you don't freeze, you don't, you're not going into flight, fight or freeze mode. You do another F and that is to face it. You have to face it. You will never change what you do not face. Let me say that again. You will never change what you do not face. Some of you just have to face the fact that you're in an addiction. And you're trying to change it by fight, flight, freeze, and it's not changing. Some of you have to just face the fact that you are in an unhappy marriage. It's not going to change by fighting, by fleeing, or by freezing. You have to face up to it. Some of you are just have to face up to the fact that you have depression. And sometimes you will need medical help. Sometimes you may need th therapy. Sometimes you may need prayer. Whatever it is, you cannot change what you do not face. But the Bible says in Psalms 84 that those who are going through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. 
I have been um, on the road for two or three days. My voice is a bit gone because I've been preaching uh, in different cities and I just got back last night. And I've been praying throughout the last three days with lots of people, lots of leaders, lots of prophets. And they've been telling me the exact same thing about Beacon Church because I believe one of the things, one of the reasons, one of the seasons we are going to enter is that God is going to give each one of you the courage to face your valley. The courage to look at it in the eye and say, hey, I've been running from you for too long. I've been frozen for too long. I've been fighting you for too long. But this is different. We are in a season at church where I'm going to face my valley and say, hey, by the grace of God, I am going to convert my valley of tears into a valley of springs. How many of you are up for that? You're going to do it. That's the grace that is on this house. I am convinced of it. God has spoken to me about it and has given some instructions to me today that I want to pass on to you because I believe that you are about to see your valley of tears become a place of springs. Come on. You are about to see your valley of tears become a place of springs. So here is the million pound question. How do we do it? How do we turn the valley of Baca into a place of springs? I'm glad you asked, and that's why we're going to talk about it in a few minutes. Are you expecting? Because whatever truth you do not know cannot set you free. The Bible says you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So I'm going to share some truth from the Bible that will set you free. And I want you to start writing down what your valley is, what your place of tears is, and you are going to make it into a place of springs. This is the, this is the great thing about making it into a place of springs. The moment you turn it into a place of springs, the Bible says the early rain also covers it with pools. There is a blessing, there is a rain, there is a heavenly shower that is meant to rain on your life that you're missing out because you haven't faced your valley. There is an early rain that comes upon your life. There is a blessing. There is a manifestation of God's glory and God's goodness you are missing out on because you are constantly running, escaping, pretending, or just frozen, and you can't do anything about it. Here's the thing. The first thing I want to tell you, if you're writing notes, write these down because these are things that you will need to apply in your life. If you don't have a pen and a piece of paper, you'll prefer not to write it down because I don't like writing notes because I like just absorbing. I can't, I, I can't really multitask. Sometimes I just have to put my baby down just to think. I can't even do the two together, you know. So if, if you're one of those people, um, the podcast will be up this week. You can listen to the sermon later and you can apply that for your life. The first thing I want you to know is that being, being frozen, fleeing um, in flight mode or fight mode or frozen, first thing I want you to know is this number one, it's not your fault. You will never get victory if you start in the place of condemnation. You will never get victory if you start in the place of shame. You will never get victory if your starting point is, look what's wrong with me. I can't believe what's wrong with me. And some of us are so spiritual, so hyper-spiritual, and it's not really spirituality. It's just false humility. It's, it's pride masquerading as false humility. You go into the presence of God and say, God, I just want you to show me what's wrong with me. What's wrong with me? 
what's wrong with me. You will never change by God showing you what's wrong with you. You change by God showing you who you are and what your identity is and who God has created you to be because you will only become what you behold. And if you are a person who is addicted and if God says to you, you're addicted, you're addicted, you're addicted, you're addicted. Guess what happened? You become even more addicted. But if you are addicted, you don't need God to tell you you're in addiction. You need God to tell you that he's a savior, that he is strong, that you are powerful because of the work God has done in your life you can live out of this and the more you behold his glory the more you will be translated from your place of addiction into the place of his strength Paul the writer uh, the, the writer of most of the New Testament said these words I asked God about my weakness and he said to me my grace is sufficient for you so when I am weak then I am strong why because when you are in weakness your focus should be on his grace and not on your weakness. So if you're going through a valley of Baca, your focus has to be on God's grace and not on your valley. And for some of us, that's hard. Because for some of us, that will mean letting go of our story. Because we love going around and telling everybody how broken we are, how wounded we are. If only they knew all I had to go through. They don't need to know. What benefit is that? to you? Well, how is that going to help you? How is that going to change your perspective? How is that going to change your life? You've got to be focusing on the grace of God. And when you be around people and if you give them pity and they give you pity back, then that's what forms a pity party. And then you, you attract somebody else. Now you've got two people, three people feeling sorry for you. And you've got four people feeling sorry for you. No, when you sit with people and they say, gosh, and you say, I'm broken, I'm wounded, I can't believe this happened to me you want people who can come alongside and empathize and say that is horrible that's really wrong that's bad I will weep with you but they also need to say hey remember God is strong God is powerful God is gracious his grace is sufficient because if they just give you pity without pointing you to Jesus you continue to drown in your pity instead of focusing on the one person who has paid the price on the cross of Calvary for you not to remain in your valley but to make it a place of springs your starting point has to be to know that it's not your fault condemnation will never help you secondly you face it sometimes by getting help some of the things you're going through in your life you cannot face on your own some of the things you're going through in your life you cannot you just cannot process it on your own and that's why one of the words for the church, and by church I don't mean this building, I mean the people of God gathered together in the presence of God. One of the words for the church in the Bible is the body of Christ the body and if you look at your own body you will know that the leg cannot do what the arm can do the arm cannot do what the kidney can do the kidney cannot do what the brain can do the brain cannot do what the skin can do and we all need members of a body to help us process it so can I encourage you if you are in a place where you think man I've got some valleys in my life and I've been I've been frozen or I've been fighting it I've been, in, I've been in flight mode. Whatever it is, I just need to talk with somebody that will help me process this so I begin to face reality. Because you cannot change what you cannot face. And sometimes you just need somebody else's help to face what it is that you are going through. And you may have somebody in your life, not somebody who will just give you pity, no. Somebody who will help you, talk to you, 
process things with you and say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to process this with you. Let's meet once a week or let's meet once a month and let's process your pain. Let's process your valley. Let's process your thoughts. Let's process your emotions. And if you're here today and you say, I don't have anybody in my world like that, that I can process it with, I want to encourage you, please don't do life on your own. Go to our website, request for prayer, request for a one-on-one -on -one, uh, meeting with one of our leaders. There are people available here that will be able to sit with you, pray with you, chat with you, and process your valley with you because you cannot change what you cannot face and what you cannot face you will never change and some of us cannot face it because we're trying to do it by ourselves and we need somebody else that will say, hey, let's face this now. Let's talk about this now. You've been grumpy for too long. You've been broken for too long. You've been sleepless for too long. You've been depressed for too long. We need to face this instead of just pretending that this does not exist because the Bible says if you are a lover of the presence of God as you go through the valley of Baca you can make it into a place of springs and when you make it into a place of springs then what happens the early rain the blessing of God the showers of heaven also come and cover it with pools come on picture it in your head your tears are going to become swimming pools isn't that a good picture God is able to do it if you're able to cooperate with him with his process number three you need to receive God's perspective on it. Some of us who are Christians will say, we need to receive a word from God on it. The word from God is a guarantee of what is about to happen. God will always create by speaking first. Everything that you see in the seen world and the unseen world, in the, in the seen world and everything that you see around you happened because of the unseen world. If you look at the chair that, is sit that you're sitting on, that chair was somebody's idea before it became a chair. If you look at the floor you're on, that floor was somebody's idea before it became a floor. Everything in this world happens in the mind before it happens in reality. And God is very similar in the sense that if he's about to do something new in your life, he will often and always start that by speaking a word. And one of us, we, one of the things we have to realize is, have we got a word of God concerning our backup? Now, here's the thing. When you want to receive a word of God, you have to be open because it might not be the word you want. It might not be the word you desire. It might not be the word you thought you were going to get. It might not be the word you thought you, you, you think should fit the situation. And if you are still in control and you still want to control God, then you won't be able to turn your valley of Baca into a place of springs because you have to be open enough to say, God, I want you to speak about my valley. I want you to speak about my tears. I want you to speak about why I went through what I went through. And he may not give you an explanation. He may not give you an answer that you like. He may not give you anything that you thought was it. He might give you a completely different instruction. You may be talking to him about mangoes and he'll start talking about apples. He may be, you may start talking to him about your past and he may start talking to you about your present. You may start to talk to him about your children and he may start talking to you about your money. It might not have any relation with Whatsoever, but if you are in control, it cannot change. You've got to be open and say, God, what is your perspective 
on the valley that you're going through. Number one, don't start with condemnation. Number two, you've got to face it and process it sometimes with yourself. And if you're not able to process it with somebody. Number three, you've got to get a word from God on it. You've got to get a word, a perspective from God on it. And there are many times I've gone to God with my valleys. I've gone to God with my tears. Many times I have not been able to. So I've needed people's help to say, Listen, I, I, don't, I don't know this, but I just can't talk to God about it. I just, I just can't talk to God about it. Every time I, I want to talk to God about it, I, I, I can talk to God about lots of things, but I can't talk to God about this. Or I can talk to God about it, but I don't feel the faith I feel in other things. Isn't it strange that sometimes we, even our faith gets compartmentalized and we find we have a great faith, a lot of faith for one thing. And the other thing that we, we can't, we can't, we don't really have faith. And and we have to face it. And so sometimes I've just needed somebody to come alongside me and help me face my valley of Baca, face my valley of tears and say, okay, this is my valley. God, why don't you speak about it? And often, in fact, always, <laughs> when God speaks, it's not what I expect. Always when God says something about my valley, it's not what I expect. And let me tell you one of the ways, and this is not in my flow of what I wanted to say today, but I felt the thought drop in, so I want to share it. One of the ways we are in flight mode is that we constantly critique other people who have valleys. That's one of the ways you don't have to face up to your valley. That's one of the ways you don't have to face up to your tears. Because I've got valleys and I've got tears I don't want to face it. So let me spend the rest of my life critiquing your valley, critiquing your tears, critiquing your... You see, if you ever find people who have the ability to come and critique you about your valley and about your tears, and you know that they're not people who is drawing alongside you to help them give, take it from me, just tell them, my pastor on Sunday gave me permission to tell this to you. Please mind your business. You do that, just tell them to do that. Tell them to mind their business. Because often the people who are living critical of the world, critical of others, critical of ministries, critical of churches, critical of people, are people who are living in great condemnation themselves. They'd rather not face up to that and make a living out of criticizing people. And if you are here today and you have a critical spirit, then I want to give you the freedom to say you don't need to live in condemnation another day of your life. That's a sign that you have deep condemnation in your own world. Please live in the freedom that Christ has, has, has made you free for. And if you're here today and you have a critical person in your world, every time you're in their presence, you're drained. Every time you get their call, you're drained. Every time you send a message to them, they come back and they're talking about all that's wrong in the world. Please run. Give, give space for your own heart. You are important. You are worthy. God created you to be a masterpiece. And you are worthy. And you are not worth spending your time with people who will demoralize you, break you down, pull you apart, and say all of that is done in the name of love and Christian love and Christian service. That is not right. The ministry of condemnation does that. But the ministry of justification and righteousness releases you into identity, not breaks you down and pulls you down. That was not in my flow of thought, but I really felt somebody needs permission just to hear that so you can deal with it. Receive a word from God on it. As you can tell, today's talk is not something that you 
will just get benefit out of just by listening. It will only work if you will go back and you apply it. You have to apply it. You have to say, okay, I'm going to get a word on my valley. I'm going to get a word on my tears. I'm going to get a word on why I went through what I went through. I'm going to get a word on it. Now, once you've got a word on it, what you have to do is activate your faith. Everybody say, activate your faith. Activate your faith. Now that you've got a word on it, you have to activate your faith. Let me show you something from 2 Corinthians verse chapter 9, verse 5 onwards. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 5 onwards. Now before we read that, how many of you believe that if you are a child of God, you have received the gift of righteousness? Tell me. Tell me if you're confident you've received the gift of righteousness. Okay, we have all received. The Bible says because of God, Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, we have received the gift of righteousness. The gift of righteousness. Now, if we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 5, this is what it says. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Let's go back to that previous verse. How many of us would love for that to be our life? Verse 8, the previous verse, where it says, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. That's a good deal, isn't it? I'd love to live like that. Verse 9. The next verse. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Everybody say righteousness. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of what? Your righteousness. Now here's my question. All the people who said, I am righteous, why does the Bible want to increase your harvest of righteousness? Because righteousness is not a label. Righteousness is not a name. Righteousness is not a concept. Righteousness is an experience that you grow in more and more and more. And Paul says to the Corinthian church, I would love for your harvest of righteousness to multiply. And for your harvest of righteousness to multiply, I want you to start sowing seed. I want you to start taking money and putting it forward as a faith token, not to bribe God. So when you give 10 pounds and God's going to give you 20 back, no, because when you're sick and you give God 20 quid and he heals your back, no, no, no. Don't make God cheap. God doesn't need to be bribed. God doesn't need a price to be paid. The price has already been paid on the cross of Calvary. But here's the problem. Even though the price has been fully paid, you are not walking in the full experience of what's been paid for. 
And the reason you and I are not walking in the full experience of what's already been paid for is because we have to grow in the harvest of righteousness. When we grow in the harvest of righteousness, we increase in the confidence that we are children of God. We increase in the confidence of who we are. We increase in the confidence of who God is. We increase in the faith that we are able to transact and bring into existence everything Christ has already paid for. So Paul says... I'd love for you to start sowing seed. And some of you perhaps have been taught wrong on this concept and you think God is like some sort of investment banker and you give him 100 and he's going to give you 200. You give him 300 and he's going to give you 600. You give him 200 and he's going to fix your toothache for you. It does not work that way. You can't bribe him. He is not the stocks and share market. You can't predict what he's about to do. But here's the one thing that the word of God guarantees. If you will sow seed, if you will bring a financial offering, attach it to your faith because God has given you a word when you sow that seed he will increase and multiply your harvest of what righteousness your harvest of righteousness so you can have all grace at all times abounding in all good things for every good work so that's the thing that I do I say God this is my valley sometimes I can face it sometimes I can't face it I thank you that this is not my fault I am not in condemnation sometimes I go to God and say God I can't face it I need somebody so I draw us alongside somebody and say, hey, I need to make an appointment with you. We need to just talk about some issues of my heart. I've been fighting it for too long. I've been fleeing it for too long. I've been frozen for too long. Can you just help me talk? I said, okay, let's pray. So we talk and we pray and we talk and we pray. We talk and we pray. We, 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 we talk and we pray until we get a word from God. and Say, God, I want you to speak about my valley. I want you to speak about my tears. And most times... It's a word that I don't expect. But I have to trust him. I can't control him. I have to trust him. Once I've got that word, I come to church with a seed. Today the basket's passed along and there's time for tithes and offerings and I brought my tithe. But I also brought a seed today because like I said, for the last three days, I've been in prayer with various people and I feel this was a specific instruction God gave to our church that you are going to turn your valley of Baca into a place of springs. And when you turn it around, then the early rain will also come and cover it into a place of pools. I know what my tears are. I know what my Baca is. And it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, if we go back to verse 5 onwards, that we shouldn't do it under compulsion. This is not something that we're doing because you're under pressure. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you and arrange in advance the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift. A willing gift, not as an exaction. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Reap what? Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. What are you going to reap? Each one must give not as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things, at all times you may abound in every good work. Verse 9, as it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor his Righteousness endures forever. Your financial gift is connected to your harvest of righteousness. 
It's not connected to you changing God's heart about you. He's already made up his mind to love you. He's already made up his mind to forgive you. He's already made up his mind to make you his child. But you now have to walk in faith where you are walking in a harvest of righteousness so that what is completed can be applied and manifested in your situation. I love the fact that Paul is quoting Psalms 112. It is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. The harvest of your righteousness. Do you want to see where he quotes this from? Psalms 112. Let's look at that. Psalms 112. Praise the Lord, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land, generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house and his righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful and righteous. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He's not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. This is where Paul quotes in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. And look what happens to the demonic. The wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desire of the wicked will perish. You see, when you walk in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, you don't have to go around waging spiritual warfare, asking the demons to be defeated. When you walk in the righteousness of God and you know who you are and you are a child of God, there are demonic agendas and forces in your life that will begin to melt on purpose and melt automatically because there is something about a man who walks by faith faith and walks in righteousness that will cause even the enemies that have been sent your way to lose its power over your life. I tried it all my life and I promise you it works. It works. And over the last three days, I had multiple phone calls saying, God wants to do this in Beacon Church. If you look under your chairs, there is a piece of paper and a pen. And the last thing I want to do is I want to promise to start praying with you because one of the ways you convert your valley of Baca into a place of tears is you allow somebody else to agree in prayer for you. Now, look at me for a moment. You can grab that piece of paper and a pen if you want to. If you don't want to, that's fine too. There might be an envelope there too to put your prayer request. Look at me for a moment. Let's rehearse the steps. If you want to participate in this, Number one, you have to. It's not going to work otherwise. Number one, you have to be convinced that God has forgiven you. If you live in condemnation and if you believe God is still out to punish you, God is still out to get you, God is still out to bring his curses on you, his judgment is going to fall on you, it's not going to work because you have judged God to be an angry God, an unforgiving God, and it won't work. You are forgiven. And you are righteous by the blood of Jesus. Secondly, you have to decide to face it. You have to decide to face it. You have to decide in your heart to face it. I'm going to face my backer. I'm going to face my valley. I'm going to face whatever it is that is causing me tears. 
yes, I, I love the presence of God. I'm going to stop fighting. I'm going to stop freezing. I'm going to stop fleeing. I'm going to stop facing it. And if you're in a place where you think, man, I, I don't have the strength to face it. I need somebody to come alongside me and help me face it. Then you have to decide in your heart that you're going to face it. You're going to have to pray with somebody or pray on your own and receive a word from God for it. But one of the ways we activate that, even just to receive that word, is we would grow in our harvest of righteousness. Let me ask you a question. How much righteousness have you harvested lately? How much righteousness have you harvested lately? Because righteousness is not a label. It's not just a concept. Paul says... He wanted the Corinthian church to grow in the harvest of righteousness. And he says he wants that. When you sow reap sparingly, you reap sparingly. You sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. On that piece of paper and on a pen, if you want me to, and the prayer team that I have, not just here, but the friends that I spoke about, I promise to stand with you and pray for your backer. Put that on that piece of paper. Put your name and say, this is my name, this is my valley. Tell, tell, tell say what it is. Say, um, you know, I've been, I've been hunting for a job for a long time. I haven't got one. I'm jobless. And it's been my valley. And I'm hoping that it becomes it. I will make it into a place of, um, of, 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 of springs. I want to give it us a minute if you want to do that. If you don't want to do that, this is not compulsory. You don't have to. There's also an envelope under there so you can put it in there and submit it confidentially and say, this is my name. So if your name is Sujit, say, put your name Sujit and tell me what your backer is. Tell me what your valley is. And we, I promise that over the next few days and weeks, we are going to intentionally pray for that one after the other. And we're going to believe that the valley of backer will become a place of springs. The valley of Baca will become a place of springs. Whatever your valley is, you can turn it around. You can face it. You don't have to flee it. You don't have to be frozen from it. You don't have to fight it. You can allow God to deal with it. Let's believe, wouldn't it be amazing in a few weeks if we had story after story, testimony after testimony and say, you won't believe it. My Baca became a spring. My tears have become a spring. My valley has changed to become a spring. There's things that has changed about my life and it's become a spring. Why don't you write it down? Why don't you write it down? We hardly ever do this. We've never actually done this. But we're going to take up a second offering today for those people who say, I want to sow a seed today to activate my faith and to reap a harvest of righteousness. The giving slide is going to come up as well. If you say today... I want to sow bountifully to reap a bountiful harvest. And the reason I say we is because I've come prepared myself because I felt and I knew that this was a very specific instruction God had given the church for this morning. We want to see our valleys become springs. We want to see our tears becoming place of rejoicing. We want to see the early rain and the latter rain coming and covering our pools with rain so that we can see the glory of God manifest. 
If you want to give by all the details on the screen, you can do that. If you want a contactless machine, just lift your hands and somebody will just come just to where you are. You can do that or you can do that after church. You can do that when you go home and you can do it on the website too. But if you've written what your valley is and you're going to turn it, you, you are convinced that you're going to turn it to a place of springs. You're going to face it. You're going to receive the word of God concerning. You're going to sow into it. You're going to see it transform into a place of springs and you're going to see the early rain come and make it into a place of pools. Let's believe God. Now if you are one of those people that's written what that is, just hold that in your hand. We're going to pray and there's going to be people coming I think with baskets just to pick up what that is. Uh, have we got baskets ready? Mark, have we got that ready? Please, if we've got the teams ready to say grab, a, grab an envelope. If you've got a prayer request, you've sown a seed, you've re you're ready to sow a seed, you're ready to receive a word of God, you're rest ready to face it. We're going to pick up all those prayer requests. But you, there's no shortcuts to this. You've got to face it. There's no shortcuts to it. You've got to sow. Because if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you will sow bountifully. You need the harvest of righteousness. God is not going to be bribed by your gift, but it will inherit. you will inherit a harvest of righteousness. Let's believe. You can submit that confidentially. Let's believe for miracles all over this place. Let's believe that this week we're going to pray and ask some of these valleys to become full of water covered in the rain of God. Covered in the rain of God. Oh, I'm excited now. People submitting their prayer requests all over this place. Hey, we believe we're a church that believes prayer works, right? We're a church that believes faith works. We're a church that believes that the harvest of righteousness works. We're a church that believes that sowing seed works. We're a church that believes that we can't bribe God, but when we act by faith, something of the miraculous happens. We're going to believe and trust God for prayer request after prayer request to be, to be um, answered. We're going to believe God for a harvest of righteousness to come through. A harvest of righteousness. A harvest of righteousness. A harvest of righteousness. What a good God we serve. 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 Dave, can you help me just put that in, the, in one of those baskets? Yeah, thank you. That's mine. I'm believing for my backer to become, to become a place of springs. To become a place of springs. Have we come this way? We could go line by line, it would be great. While we're doing that, so let's rehearse the steps. What's step number one? Come on, tell me, shout it out. We're not in social restrictions anymore, so we can talk. What's step number one? We're not in condemnation. It's not your fault. You can't start changing your valley by focusing on how bad you are. It doesn't work that way. What's number two? We have to face it. We have to face it. We can't run away from it. We have to face it. And if you can't face it, what are you going to do? You're going to get help so that somebody else can face it with you. What's the third thing we're going to do? We're going to receive the Word of God, the perspective of God on it. 
the perspective of God on it. What's the next thing we're going to do? We're going to reap righteousness. How are we going to do that? By sowing seed. Under pressure? No. Under compulsion? No. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Teresa and Kelly, have you done this section? There's people waiting here. Is there anyone here? There's people waiting. Can we go line by line so we don't miss people? Thank you. Great. And after we sow, what's the last thing we spoke about? We're going to allow somebody else to agree in prayer. We're going to allow somebody else to do what? Agree in prayer. It's great to see so many of you participating in this. Here's, here's why agreeing in prayer is important. Can, can the team put this verse up for me? Colossians chapter 4 verse 12. Colossians chapter 4 verse 12. While we're collecting it. Have you gone line by line? Is there anybody else that wants to sow a seed or write down a prayer request? You are, just lift your hand so we can see you, please. We don't want to miss out on anybody. That's great. Read this verse with me. One, two, three. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Jesus Christ, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Paul is saying that you, standing mature, and fully assured in the will of God can be influenced by somebody else praying for you. Think about that. Epaphras, who is one of you, greets you. He's struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in the will of God. You standing fully assured in the will of God can be influenced by somebody else praying for you. We're going to pray and believe God for miracles all over this place if you're able to stand and we're going to pray blessing upon us if you're able to lift your hands it's no magic in it but the bible says i insist that people everywhere lift up their holy hands in prayer the bible also says come bless the lord all you servants of the lord who stand by night in the house of the lord lift up your hands in the holy place some i've heard some people say i don't lift my hands until god tells me to well, God has. It's called the Bible. He's told you to lift up the hands, your hands in the holy place. So lift up our hands if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And we're going to pronounce a blessing. Father, we thank you that our valley is going to become a place of springs. Thank you that our tears are going to become a place of springs. Thank you that our tears are going to be transformed and translated into a place where the early rain comes and settles on it. Father, today I bring before you every trauma in this room. Trauma of rape, trauma of rejection, trauma of divorce, trauma of debt. All the valleys that we've people have walked through, the trauma that comes from not being loved, the trauma of not knowing who your father is and who your mother is, the trauma of hurt, the trauma of disappointment, the trauma of life not turning out the way it is. 
we come in the holy place and this is a holy place because you are here and we lift up our hands and we bring our valleys to you we bring our sorrows to you we bring our tears to you and we thank you that we are going to convert it into a place of springs. We thank you that we are going to face it. We are done running. We are done fleeing. We are done fighting. We are done freezing. We are done complaining. We are done critiquing. We choose to face our tears. We choose to face our valleys. And for every person today that is bringing a valley to you, I ask you in the name of Jesus, O oh God, that you will cause that place to become a place of springs. To every person that has sowed a seed today, to every person that will go home and sow a seed, I thank you that you have covenant, you have, you have obliged yourself to say that wherever there is a seed, there is a harvest of righteousness. I pray in Jesus' name that be church will harvest righteousness like never before. A beacon church will harvest righteousness like never before. We will be convinced. We will be sure that we are 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 the children of God. We will be sure that we are sure that we are sure that healing is ours, that prosperity is ours, that blessing is ours, that freedom is ours, that good health is ours. We will be sure of it. Lord, let there be a harvest of righteousness in this church I pray I pray for every person that is going to face up to their trauma face up to their tears face up to their valleys I pray in the name of Jesus as we face it we thank you oh God that you are able to turn it around and now we thank you in advance for the springs that are going to come up we thank you in advance for the rain that's going to come up springs come from the ground up rain comes from the top down so we say in Jesus name in every direction we're going to be blessed we're going to be blessed from the top down we're going to be blessed from the bottom up wherever we go we will see the showers of God there shall be showers of blessing in our life in our marriage in our health in our healing in our mind and we thank you that those who go through the valley of Baca turn it into a place of springs and the early rain also covers it we thank you for all the miracles that we're going to see we thank you that you are a good God Thank you that you are with us in the valley. In Jesus' name, amen. Clap your hands and receive the miracle. Give God praise. Tell him he's done it. Come on, picture the spring and clap your hands. Picture the rain and clap your hands. Picture the goodness of God and clap your hands. Picture whatever you've written turning around for your good and for glory and praise him. Come on, let's raise a praise. Let's raise a shout. Let's give him thanks today. Thank you for the righteousness. Picture the harvest of righteousness. Picture your confidence, your prayer life changing. Lord, we thank you that we are called to be a beacon in this day and this age. We will turn it from a place of tears into a place of springs. And the rain is coming. And the rain is coming. The rain is coming. Rain of blessing. The rain of health. The rain of prosperity. The rain of provision. The rain. The rain that will cause us to walk away from every trauma. And we will thank you that we're going to face it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here at Beacon Church. Remember, if you've got kids in creche or Beacon Kids, don't forget to collect them. Thank you so much for being here. Remember to bring someone to church next week with you. Thank you so much. Say hello to somebody before you leave. God bless you. And we look forward to seeing you again. Thanks.